It's time for Spiritual Awakening Radio. My name is James Bean, with you streaming live every week at this time on HealthyLife.net Positive Talk Radio. Spiritual Awakening Radio explores the world of spirituality, comparative religion, world scriptures, and other interesting books that matter, East and West, on God, Meditation, near-death experiences, transcendental, out-of-body, heavenly experiences, and ethics of peace, ahimsa ethics, education for a more peaceful planet, in touch with its own spiritual self, its own spiritual traditions. Many people are attracted, many people are drawn to the poetry of Rumi, They're drawn to the teachings of Rumi, the personality of Rumi, and they may not actually be able to articulate why that is. And so I'm going to tell you. For many, Rumi is the first and only spiritual master many people have ever encountered before. It's not just about poetry or even spiritual poetry. There's something about Rumi. What is that exactly? Jaladin Rumi was a Sufi mystic and spiritual master, a disciple of Shams of Tabriz, who himself was a disciple of an earlier Sufi master. Sufi mysticism is a school of spirituality that's been around for a very long time and is very similar, has many of the same features as the Sant tradition of India, Kabbalah, or mystical Judaism, Gnosticism, which is a form of mystical Christianity and Judaism from the ancient world, and some affinities with Platonism and Pythagoreanism as well. So, when today we explore meditation and the ascension of the soul into the astral plane on this spiritual journey, this interior voyage of the soul going within, passing through these different levels. This really is a universal teaching which has much in common with the great schools of mysticism, including Sufism. The Sants and the Sufis have much in common, also the Gnostics and followers of Kabbalah as well. So there are some teachings that are quite universal. The focus of the program today is the ascension of the soul into the astral realm and meditation practice, learning the art of meditation. And this, of course, is not just meditation as a kind of relaxation response, but more like meditation as a portal or doorway, a third eye center that looks within, a third ear that hears transcendentally, an opening into inner worlds, heavens, inner regions, levels of consciousness. And so I begin with poetry, uh, not Rumi poetry, but someone who was a fan of Rumi and was a creator of poetry 
in his own right, Sant Tulsi Sahib of Hathras, India. If you do the practice for a few days, referring to the spiritual practice, the meditation that he took, if you do the practice for a few days, the inner way will open before you. It is the path to reach the one God, the Most High. Within this body breathes the secret essence. Within this body beats the heart of the Vedas, the Hindu scriptures. Within this body shines the entire universe. Hermits, ascetics, celibates, all are lost, seeking him in endless guises. Seers and sages perfectly parrot the scriptures and holy books, blinded by knowledge. Their pilgrimage and fasting and striving, but delude. Despite their perfect practice, they discover no destination. Only the saints, who know the body's heart, have attained the ultimate, O Tulsi. Realize this, and you've found your freedom. While teachers trapped as slaves of tradition know only the mirage in the mirror. Enter within thyself, and there behold the invisible beloved, and cherish thou and ever foster thy love for him. With knowledge, discrimination, and contemplation, let the bonds of time and death be severed. Reach thou the banks of the lake of nectar, O Tulsi, there take a holy dip and be baptized, washing away your karmas. Pure is the love of that immaculate Lord, seeing whom the soul is filled with bliss. Whosoever has concentrated his soul has been redeemed from the fear of death. She has ascended the heavens with force and has found refuge at the feet of the Supreme Being. She has taken abode in the infinite region and has attained union with the Beloved. Indeed, O Tulsi, she has been delivered from the delusion, suffering, and fever of countless lives. And also from Saint Tulsi Sahib, or Saint Tulsi Sahib of Hathras, India, there are five real jewels in this life, namely, one, association with sads, and this is a term that means initiates, satsangis, devotees, the virtuous, sadhus, saints, also sages, people of wisdom. Two, saran, protection and refuge of the sadguru a living master, having a living mentor, a living spiritual teacher, a living guide. Three, love. Four, humility. And five, compassion. Some verses from Tulsi Sahib of Hathras, India. This is a passage from someone who lived slightly later, a couple generations later, a spiritual master from Agra, which is about a half hour or so from 
Hathras. They were asked, how long does it take to reach enlightenment? What is the amount of time required for the inward journey of the soul? How many years of meditation practice before it's not just uh, scratching the surface, but leading to some place more advanced, more enlightened, recognizable progress along the way? Teacher, what amount of time will it take for a practitioner of inner light and sound meditation, known as Surachabd Yoga, to secure access to the higher regions? The question kind of contains a premise that the astral plane is not one of those, that the astral plane is the plane next door or the first level up, not a higher region. So how long does it take to get through those seven heavens to the upper ones. Azura Maharaj Raisalagram, a spiritual master in Agra, replies, saying, no time limit can be prescribed for it. One is said to have secured access to higher regions if one enjoys bliss internally and hears the inner sound clearly. But the attainment of this state depends upon the keenness of one's longing and yearning. This takes 10 or 12 or 15 years to... It, 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 rather, it takes 10 to 12 or 15 years to acquire worldly learning and knowledge, and even then one does not gain mastery over the subject one studies. Fifteen to twenty years are taken in learning the ways of the world. In the same way, time will be required for giving up worldly habits and adopting pious ones. But in spirituality, if the love and renunciation of a practitioner are keen and strong, and he or she devotes enough time to the daily meditation practice and satsang, which is a term for spiritual gathering, for instruction, and sometimes group meditation with others, and gives very little time to worldly matters or wranglings, then in a short time, say four or five years, one will be able to achieve at least this much, and they will have full faith in the greatness of the path, the teachings of the masters, and will internally secure so much bliss and contentment that no doubt will be left in the mind about the eventual true redemption. One will get bliss in daily meditation proportionately to the time devoted and the attention that one pays to it. One will continue this practice easily and lovingly and will be able to curb the mind and senses to some extent then one will be able to know how much time will be required to have access to a certain region and will gradually get the necessary energy to make endeavors for as much progress as one desires. So you end up, he is saying here, getting eventually a sense of the answer to this question yourself based on getting acquainted with your own 
internal condition, progress, and speed. Yobles emphasizes in his writings, uh, in his teachings, Prem Patra, Radhaswami, and other spiritual classics of the Radhaswami tradition, um, uh, spiritual bliss, that quality meditation includes a degree of bliss. The Eastern term is ananda. It means bliss. You get a certain amount of bliss when you meditate. If it's all dry and boring and you're peeking at a clock or your watch, you're not really there, not really meditating at all, although you may be sitting in the chair or on a cushion or on the floor. A certain amount of bliss, a certain amount of internal bliss and love and enjoyment of the meditative state is really required. And that's the essence of it right there, actually. A certain amount of bliss is going to be required. If you don't like doing something, you probably won't do it very often or very well. If you do love doing something, that is a whole different experience, much more effective approach to whatever it is that you aspire to on the outside or on the inside, on the outer or, in this case, on the inner in terms of meditation practice. One has to love meditation and get a certain amount of bliss from it, pay attention to it, look forward to it, dedicate a certain amount of time to it each and every day. Learning the practice. This is a a series of meditation instructions that I sometimes share from time to time to promote meditation. Now, this is not the, the real advanced meditation that initiates of a spiritual master would receive, but these are the crumbs that fall from their table. This is a kind of warm-up, introductory, convenient method, a brief, abbreviated, abridged form of meditation, which still is quite impressive, but it's just really a warm-up exercise um, that uh, leaves uh, a lot more uh, to be discovered uh, later on. But it's quite, it's quite useful, a good place to begin, especially in a Western culture where you may not have meditated at all before. And so this is... Uh, why it's called Introductory Meditation Instructions. Introducing the population, the Western world, to some basic ideas of meditation. Inner Light Meditation, Introductory Meditation Instructions. These are based on the teachings of Kripal Singh, who was a spiritual master who came to the West in the 1950s, 60s, and early 70s. His uh, books are listed in the bibliography of Be Here Now and other classics of the time. And the, these are the instructions that he would often uh, give to people. And these are still very much valid today. These are the introductory meditation instructions for new people not yet formally initiated into inner light and sound meditation, but want to try it out, want to begin, take a peek within, here and now. Kripal Singh. 
Meditation is the process of withdrawing the attention from the world outside and focusing it at the seat of the soul in the body, behind and between the two eyebrows. This point is known as the inner eye, the third eye, single eye, Shiv Netra, Tishra Til, the third eye center. In order to withdraw our attention and focus it upon this point, the mind must be controlled and stilled. Sit in one pose and move not your head, limbs, or eyes. Sit straight but relaxed with no tension in the body below. Sit completely still. One doesn't move for the duration of their meditation set. Adopt a comfortable posture with your back straight, so you're very focused, but comfortable, so you won't fidget, you won't move during the meditation, thus causing some disturbance or break in concentration, in other words. Kirpal Singh, close your eyes as in sleep and look sweetly, lovingly, intently into the middle of the darkness lying in front of you. You will see a dark veil. That which sees the dark veil within, without the help of your physical eyes, is the inner eye. Do not put any strain on your physical eyes, nor turn them upward, for that will result in a headache or heat. Pay no attention to the breathing process. Let it go on naturally. There are two currents working in the body, one of motor currents, or prana, or the vital airs, and the other of surat, or attention, which gives us the sense of feeling. The saints do not touch the prana currents, which govern breath, circulation of blood, growing of hair and nails, etc. The pranic system of breath control is the way of the yogis, and not of the saints. The saint's way is to concentrate the attention at the single or third eye while mentally repeating a mantra of five charged names which act as an open sesame to the higher planes. So here he is saying, never mind counting your breath uh, and moving your eyes physically as if you're going to use your physical eyes to see something spiritual. You just have your eyes closed, you're gazing at the, the veil or curtain of darkness lying in front of you. And that which sees the darkness is the third eye, and of course has the potential to see something else, too, besides the darkness. So he's saying, never mind worrying about your, your breath. And that's because the goal here is to transcend the body not uh, focus upon it in meditation. The idea is to take one's attention and shift it from the outer world to the inner world. Kripal Singh, those who are initiated repeat the five charged words one by one, very slowly, mentally, internally, at intervals, so that your inner eye is not disturbed. Those who have not been initiated just sit sweet, sweetly in remembrance of God, repeating with 
your mind with the tongue of thought any name of God or saint which you hold dear. And then I give an example, Ram, Hu, Om, Allah, Yeshua, Radha Swami, Great Spirit, you know, or some other sacred name. You can pick your own mantra. You can adopt, if you don't have one already, you can choose a mantra for yourself. Now, of course, if you're an initiate of a teacher, you are given a mantra by that teacher along with instruction on how to use it. But for those who are new and experimenting with this for the first time, you can adopt your own mantra, preferably a name that you already revere and have a great deal of respect for. After the break, more about this introductory meditation instruction. And I'll give you my email address after the break as well in case you'd like me to send you a copy of these meditation instructions. You're hearing Spiritual Awakening Radio. Stay tuned. Spiritual Awakening Radio streams live every week at this time on HealthyLife.net Positive Talk Radio. My name is James Bean. If you'd like to receive an email with a copy of these meditation instructions I'm sharing with you on today's program, so you can try this out at home more effectively at the time of your choosing, very conveniently, uh, send me an email. In the email subject line, just say introductory meditation or meditation instructions. Ask for the meditation instructions by emailing me at this address, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. Before the break, I was sharing some introductory meditation instructions from the writings of Kripal Singh, the teachings of Kripal Singh. And we got to the point where he was discussing that we can adopt our own mantra if we're not already an initiate of a living master having been given a mantra or sacred name or phrase or several names and instruction how to use them. We can just adopt our own mantra as an interim solution just to try this out. So one can pick their own mantra. A name that you already revere that stands for the highest truth for you Great Spirit, Yahweh, Yeshua, Sugmad, Sarmad, Hu, Ram, Om, Allah, Allahu, Yeshua, Ahura Mazda, Vowel Chant, or some combination, Radhaswami, any uh, Gopal, Govind, Hey Govind, Hey Ram, Hare Krishna, Krishna Rama, Rama Rama, Krishna Krishna, Maha Mantra, anything you like, any of these names, adopt a name to be your mantra for the purpose of this spiritual exercise. Back to Kirpal Singh's meditation instructions. As you look within, you will see a sky or blue sky if you look minutely into it, you will find it studded with stars. 
you may see pinpoints of light. If so, try to locate the big star out of them and fix your whole attention on that. Then you may see the star or the, the, the inner star, the inner sun or moon. If so, focus all of your attention into the middle of it. It will break into pieces and you will cross it. Beyond, you will see the radiant form of the master or his master. So, okay, to summarize, one sits with a posture that one can stay with for the duration of their meditation sit without fidgeting, pain, needing to move. And for a very short period of time, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, no more than half an hour, uh, hopefully no less, uh, not less than 60 seconds, but no more than a half hour, somewhere in between for most people, I suspect. One sits calmly with eyes closed, gazing into the darkness that's lying in front of them, slowly, mentally repeating one of these mantra names, these sacred names, any, any sacred name that they desire. They're gazing into the darkness while repeating their sacred word mentally with the tongue of thought, if you will, mentally chanting slowly their name, Ram, Ram, Yeshua be merciful, Yeshua be merciful, Hey Ram, Hey Govind, whatever your mantra is that you have adopted, Great Spirit. You're repeating that word and you're gazing into the darkness with eyes closed, being very comfortable and still. As you look within, you will see a sky or blue sky. You may notice inner light. Kripal Singh, if you look minutely into it, you will find it studded with stars, or you may see pinpoints of light. If so, try to locate the big star out of them and fix your whole attention on that. You may see the inner star, the inner sun or moon. If so, focus all of your attention into the middle. It will break into pieces and you will cross it. Beyond, you will see the radiant form of the master or his master. He's giving kind of a preview of what comes next or what has the potential to come next. He continues with his esoteric instructions until everyone is absorbed. Become the eye itself, Kripal Singh says. Go on looking constantly without a break. Any effort on your part stands in the way. Let yours be an effortless effort, and you will find that your soul will be withdrawn from the body. Thus concludes his introductory meditation. We become the eye itself. All our attention is focused within, and we are gazing within without disruption. And it's not really a matter of trying to meditate. We're just there, meditating. It's not a matter of trying or effort or straining to make it happen. Successful meditation is an effortless effort. You're just there, in the moment, 
in this kind of eternal nowness of time, which really is timelessness. That's why it's great to meditate early in the morning, so you don't have a sense of having to rush anywhere just yet. Or at night, when you're done for the day and you can settle down, settle in. And once again, an opportunity for the timeless, without any need to rush off someplace to do something, allowing you a chance to be for a while and catch a glimpse of the timeless by practicing meditation such as this, gazing into the darkness, waiting for the light to appear, small pinpoints of light, whatever it may be. In the void of this darkness is a vast potential, a vast potential for inner light to manifest itself, a big bang, a whole universe may open up for you as you gaze within and begin your own exploration of inner space. More Spiritual Awakening Radio after these messages. I can send you a copy of the introductory meditation instructions from the writings of Kripal Singh. If you send me an email at this address, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. Before the interior voyage of light and sound can begin, the meditator must become adept at withdrawing his or her attention from the world outside and concentrating one-pointedly at the third eye center. Accordingly, when the neophyte has achieved even a slight degree of success, having sensations of numbness just up to the solar plexus, flashes of light will begin to manifest. At first it appears that the light is coming and going, causing the phenomenon of bright sparks or stars, but in actuality it is the mind which is ascending and descending. In other words, the light is always there. We just haven't paid any attention to it before. And so when we close our eyes to meditate, we may see the inner light, but it's not because the inner light has chosen to come and greet us has become something that exists from that moment. It's always been there this whole time. George Fox, founder of the Quakers, the light of God is within everyone, is within all living things. And the saints of India say the same thing. The light and sound are within everyone. What's going on is our attention has started to focus within and like the astronomer pointing his telescope at a dark patch of the sky at night and focusing, we too, in meditation, exploring inner space, start to focus and pay attention and discover that there is light in another kind of sky, a mystic sky within. At this junction, the meditator senses 
an intense feeling of upward movement, as if literally being pulled by a magnetic force. The sucking effect is the direct result of one's attention moving inward away from the outer orifices. Though it may be a preliminary stage, the student experiences firsthand what it is like to have an out-of-body sensation. With practice, the meditator finally does achieve total out-of-body consciousness, traveling at immense speed through regions of darkness, not dissimilar in content to reports of clinically dead patients who have been resuscitated. And we think of those books uh, by Kenneth Ring and Raymond Moody and others on near-death experiences. So it's kind of the same thing, only by way of meditation we can catch a glimpse of the heavens, the inner space. And I like pointing out in talks sometimes that we're not really exploring someone else's territory. We're not trespassing on somebody else's realm when we do this. We're really exploring the interior castle of our own being the rooms of the house, the mansion of many mansions that are inside the the rooms of the house. So we're exploring the temple of our own body. We're going within. So this is our space. This is our inner space that we're exploring. I just like pointing that out from time to time. Swami Sanseviji Maharaj in his book, The Harmony of All Religions, says, we travel back from the realm of darkness to the realm of light. Swami Sanseviji says, the individual soul has descended from the higher worlds, the realms of the divine, to the city of illusion. It has descended from the soundless state to the essence of sound, from that sound to light, and finally from the realm of light to the realm of darkness. The current of consciousness which is dispersed in the nine gates of the body and the senses must be collected at the tenth gate, known as the sixth chakra, the third eye center, between the eyebrows. Therein lies the path of our return. This is the act of leaving the gates of the senses and becoming established in the soul. We travel back from the realm of darkness to the realm of light, from the light to the divine sound, and from the realm of sound to the soundless state. And this is the essence of Dharma. This is what the whole point of spirituality, the spiritual path, religions, religious systems is supposed to be, or used to be before the knowledge got lost, or it got hijacked, or, you know, forgot, or buried by the sands of time, or subverted in some way, or the mystics died off, and certain scriptures were hidden away or you know whatever happened to cause that knowledge to get lost but when you put the knowledge back again this is what it's supposed to be about a binding back of the soul to the divine a journey back home again that's the whole point of 
a spiritual path and teachings and scriptures and meditation practice. After complete withdrawal from the physical body, the neophyte's capacity for inner sight and sound increases tremendously, enabling him or her to see and hear clearly what was only thought before to be a figment of religious imagination. Accompanying this ability is also the realization of a superconscious state of awareness, remarkably more vivid and lucid than the ordinary waking state of consciousness. Thus the soul, when they close their eyes and starts to see some light and hears a faint ringing tone of sound, they have entered the first region. They have gone from the physical state to the astral plane. And during this series of programs, I will map out for you the inner regions. We'll be exploring over several shows these different planes of consciousness more about the astral plane, the first level. After these messages, you're hearing Spiritual Awakening Radio. Stay tuned. Bumper music used on Spiritual Awakening Radio, the intro and outro music for each of the segments of the program, comes courtesy of Paul Alexander John, who plays the Indian Bansuri, the Indian bamboo flutes. And there are tablas sometimes. There is a drone instrument called the tambura as well. A beautiful sound. My website is spiritualawakeningradio.com. At my website, you can contact me if you wish. You can send me an email if you'd like to receive a copy of the introductory meditation instructions. My address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com. At my website, you'll have access to podcasts of the program, various articles, newsletters, blogs. There's a donate button at the website. There is a link to my e-library. Daily spiritual quotes via social media, such as Tumblr, Twitter, and Facebook, and lots more at my website, spiritualawakeningradio.com. The astral plane is so wonderful that sometimes people think that they have reached heaven if they should experience the astral plane. And that's a common problem that human beings have, whether it's in this world or other dimensions. Everyone thinks they pretty much know what there is to know, have experienced what there is that constitutes reality. They have a kind of false peak experience. They think they've made it or are about to make it. And this is all there is. In some forms of meditation, for instance, one counts their breath for 30 years until they pass on from this life. I mean, same thing. 
No change. No change. No change. Inhale. No change. Exhale. No change. <laughs> no shift in consciousness. Nothing new. No shift in consciousness. This is a reading from Seth Shivdayal Singh's spiritual classics, Sarbachan Bhattaswami poetry, the esoteric teachings, beginning at the astral plane level. When you turn your eye inwards in the brain and you see the firmament within and your spirit leaves the body and rises upwards, you will see the akash in which is located the thousand-petaled lotus, which performs the various functions pertaining to the three worlds. Its effulgence will exhilarate your spirit. You will at that stage witness Naringen, the lord of the three worlds. Several religions which attained this stage and took the deity thereof to be the lord of all were duped. Seeing the light and refulgence of this region, they felt satisfied. Their upward progress was stopped. They did not find the guide to higher regions, hence they could proceed no further. What a fascinating situation. They think they've reached the highest heaven. And you can understand why they're having this glorious vision. It seems like a supreme being and incredible light. Eureka, I'm enlightened, we've made it, right? You can understand why that would be another kind of false peak experience on another level. Although the wondrous journey out of the body in Surat Shabd Yoga or inner light and sound meditation begins in darkness, eventually the meditator glimpses keen points of light, much like stars filling up a black midnight sky. The student is advised to focus his or her attention on the largest and brightest of these stars, which, with repeated concentration, will burst, revealing a radiance similar to that of a sun. When this light explodes, a brilliance comparable to a full moon will pull one's attention even further within. Out of that light, according to the Masters, a light known as the eighth-petaled lotus, the resplendent form of one's guru will appear. This marks the halfway point in the disciple's ascent. Since from here on, one is guided to the upper regions by the radiant form of the Master. Hence by comparison, hence by comparison, an easier progression for the soul than the withdrawal of the mind current from the body. Unquote. This is an amazing passage. This is from the book Enchanted Land on the interior journey of the soul through astral, causal, uh, mental, or akashic, and ethereal regions to the spiritual, timeless realms beyond that. We'll be hearing lots more from Enchanted Land on future editions of Spiritual Awakening during this series about the ascent of the soul through the various heavenly realms. 
So it's really quite amazing. It remind, this passage reminds me of the space program. 90% of the battle is escaping the bonds of Earth's gravity for the rocket. If the rocket can just get to orbit, breaking past gravity, then it's, it's made it. And then from there to go from point A to point B or point B to point C, not so hard, right? The, the struggle is getting into space, fighting against gravity. And so, too, in inner space, if we, can, if we can meditate, if we can successfully begin our meditation, if we can get past that, <laughs> then the rest is not necessarily so hard, right? Once we're there, it's easier to imagine further progress being made if we can only break the bonds of Earth's gravity, or in the case of the meditator, distractions that keep us from being focused and from successfully going within. But if we can, then a lot awaits. And rather than staying with one scene or one vision or one light or one sound, if we understand that there's always more, then we're on the right track on the journey home. In the Gospel of Allegenus, the stranger in a strange land, the soul was asked, Do you remember who you were when you were light? Thanks for joining me today on Spiritual Awakening Radio. More on this ascent of the soul on the next edition of Spiritual Awakening.